This is the Territory Story Podcast with Leon Logan-Nathan and Peter Gowers. Thanks to Ward Keller, the Territory Law Firm. Hello there. Welcome to wherever you're listening. This is the Territory Story Podcast. My name is Peter Gowers. Joining me, my co-host, Leon Logan-Nathan. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Good, good, good. I'm glad you managed to make it after all the hoo-ha. Yeah, I did. This is the special after the election the day after. I thought we could. The day after the night there was episode. <laughs> Chris Walsh from the NT Independent joins us. How are you, Chris? Hey, I'm good, guys. I, uh, late night last night, uh, trying to get everything out there, talking to people until wee hours in the morning, mm. trying to figure out what's going to happen. So, um, yeah. Right, um, right. Crazy well, surprises, all- eh? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, we've yeah. all had a, probably, we've all uh, had a few little conversations. So, uh, I think there'll be a lot of people that are listening to this podcast be very, very interested to know uh, what we've um, what we've been uh, finding out uh, amongst mm-hmm. all of this. Mm-hmm. So, was that what you predicted, Chris? Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, you know, look, what I was saying, I, I like, I can't remember what I said. I mean, things have changed so much, and I know, I know I talked about the swing towards the CLP, and of course, that was that came. That happened and that came at the expense of Territory Alliance. But the thing that, that um, I thought that it would be, I mean, the best stuff I was getting, and somebody had done a poll the week before, and that seemed to be pretty true and fitting, and I didn't get to see all those results, but I had heard about it. And that basically confirmed that Labor was sitting somewhere around 12 seats and could go as high as 17. Um, but, the, the, but the difference between them making an overwhelming landslide victory and, and just barely getting over the line from the majority was razor thin, which we've seen now that, that, you know, there are five, six seats. Well, there's probably about nine seats now that are, well, you know, I don't know. I would say probably six seats that are um, that still not sure where it's going to go. And that would take labor from the 11 or 12 that they're on now up to 17. But it looks like they're going to fall. Some will fall to CLP. Labor may pick up a couple of those. Um, so, yeah, but it, but it is a bit of, of a surprise. And, of course, I don't think anybody foresaw the, the complete and utter collapse of the Territory Alliance. Mm. I mean, yeah, yeah what, 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 like for Terry Mills, for their leader to lose his own seat, uh, that's pretty humiliating defeat um, for that party. I don't, I don't know. Really, their future is in, is in serious doubt and question here. But I don't know. What did you guys think they were going to take a fumbling like that? Can you have an alliance with one person? <laughs> <laughs> that is an excellent question, Peter. Because yeah, like yeah. So it looks like Robin Lamley will hold on to Erlewine down there in Alice Springs. She was saying today that she's still committed to the party, but um, really, I mean, there are people involved in that party, of course, mm. like any party. So you've you've got to deal with that. But I wouldn't be surprised to see her. Uh, go back as an independent, um, mm. and then that this maybe was an experiment that, that went wrong. Um, well, let's talk yeah. about that. Let's talk about that. So, just a couple of things here. First of all, looking at the ABC um, uh, website, the primary vote for Labor dropped by two point eight percent. The CLP didn't actually increase their vote. In fact, their primary vote is just down a smidgen, minus point two percent. Right, hmm. and this is on well, this is sixty three percent counted. So you know, by the time this podcast comes out, that might change a bit. But where the uh, where the swing has come, um, Chris, is it's come from the independents. It's like a minus yeah. uh, you know, eight point four percent swing against the independents, 
And that translated into a vote for Territory Alliance. So Territory Alliance actually had a 10% swing towards it. But unfortunately, it was sort of smattered across all their seats by the look of it, which meant that they didn't actually, <laughs> it didn't translate well, into anything. It, it's a, it's that, but that's a, I would caution that too, right? I mean, to say that, that it was taken away from independence, well, those, those people were all independents. <laughs> when they yeah, came in. I mean, yeah. Jeff Collins wasn't, mm -hmm. but Robin Lamb and Terry Nelson's election were elected yeah. as independents. So well, they stole votes from themselves. It didn't work out. But, but you know what is it really interesting there, and I think that is that that last election in 2016, yeah. um, people didn't have a lot of faith in, well, look, they did. I mean, Labor won an overwhelming majority, but there, I remember covering that election and there was a very palpable sense that people were sick of, and that was 2016, and think of everything else that was going on. Donald Trump won that year. People were very sick of the party system. They were sick of established parties. And I think you saw that swing away from the parties with a, a number of independents. I think it was five, six independents who actually got elected. This time, in 2020, at the territory election, we're looking at only two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, and yeah, so Territory Alliance would have taken some of that, uh, that disaffected vote of people who voted independent last time, thinking that, um, you know, we're, we're, yeah, pissed off really with how the, the CLP and Labour have handled things. And Labour did nothing to help themselves um, in terms of the party stuff, just how they've handled things. But um, yeah, to, to only come out with two independents for the Northern Territory, I would have I would have thought that there would have been more, but yeah, Territory Alliance would have taken that. But the two that we're talking about, of course, is uh, Yengia Mark Uyla up in, uh, in what well, was Nullamboy now, it's uh, the electorate's called Mulka. Um, that, that's a close one, too. That's going to be a little closer than it looks like right now on Sunday evening as we're discussing it. But uh, it looks like he staved off a real... Uh, um, political onslaught, as I called it in the story, um, from Labour and Lynn Walker, who they really wanted that seat. They would have thrown the kitchen sink at that, I would have thought. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You know, they had the tender they put out for kitchen sinks and, and throwing mechanisms, so <laughs> it's for the next four years. So, yeah, so they threw everything they had at it. Um, uh, he seems like he's held on. Uh, I think that's probably how it's going to stay. Matt Garrick, who's a very fine reporter that the ABC has, he's he was up in Illinois there covering it, and he was saying that tonight that uh, looks like Goyola will hang on in the end. Now that's interesting because Lynn Walker, remember they she lost by eight votes or something last yeah. time. Yeah. This one looks like it'll be a little stronger than that. But there there was always this sense that when Gunner got in trouble um, a couple years in, that if Lynn Walker had been there. Uh, in the cabinet room that she'd be the one that would be the chief minister leading labor to this election because she's competent. She's good. She's well-respected. Um, yeah. And she had that, that the others don't, I mean, there was no real challenger in that uh, for most of his term. Yeah. So, so yeah, then they wanted her seniority and her wisdom back. Um, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen this time. Now, the only other independent is our good friend, Former Madam Speaker. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I wondered what you'd be thinking about her, Chris. Yeah, well, disgraced former Speaker Kezia Purick, uh, who, of course, had those uh, damning findings leveled at her by the ICAC that found that she acted corruptly in the office and uh, she was forced to resign, still staring down the barrel of criminal charges possibly being laid. 
Um, it wasn't really as close as I think last time would have been mm. for her. Uh, CLP made some ground there. So there's definitely some people out there in the rural area and then the electorate of goiter who, who did have an issue, I would suggest, um, with her conduct. Uh, but it wasn't enough anyway. She's going to hang on. The thing that I had always thought for months was what happens if we get into a position where uh, Labour gets somewhere around 12 seats? Yes. And yeah, and I think I probably mentioned it before. And, you know, would she be the one? And she would be because, you know, they made her speaker for nearly yeah. four years. So yep. she kind of owes them something. And they had a little contract, and a little deal set up. So why wouldn't they enter into another one? But then you've got, you know, the gunner labor government being propped up by a, a, a politician, a disgraced former speaker who's facing criminal charges. So, I mean, yeah. how's that for stability, right, in government? <laughs> uh, you know, and, and the, it still could be. It still very easily could be a possibility right now. I doubt it. I don't think it's going to happen, but it could. It was talked about a lot on the ABC. Um, I watched the coverage last night. Uh, the the previous federal election, I'd watched the Sky News coverage and uh, Leon was going on so much about uh, Mr. Anthony Gross. Uh, I, I thought I'll, I'll, watch, um, I'll, I'll watch ABC for this one and, and uh, see what it's like. And yeah. they, would, they talked about it all night, the fact that... Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah all night. Chloe they said did, that. Yeah. We, we were in and out. I was on the phone with people. I didn't hear. Yeah. Chloe said that, that yeah. Um, but they didn't seem to get it, right? Like, they didn't know what the issue was. They didn't mention it. No, and they kept saying, well, yeah. if Labor gets 12, um, then Kizia Purik will be the speaker and she'll, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, you, you're missing the bit where she may not be able to see out her term uh, <laughs> due to <laughs> recent events. <laughs> well, and, 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 and as much as Michael Gunner has shown to have complete disrespect for the democratic institutions, even he's not that stupid. <laughs> as to put that speaker back in the role after she was forced to resign for corrupt conduct. I mean, sweet yeah. Jesus, ah, it just, that wouldn't happen. It's funny though, you know, they have those guys and they're out of, um, I think Anthony Green usually comes up here for the election. Of course, COVID, yeah. he couldn't. Um, and there's many stories about his conduct around there too. But anyway, um, <laughs> around Parliament House and his demanding nature, really nothing inappropriate, right, right. but he's a very yeah. demanding man from what I've heard. Right. Um, but uh, and Greg Jennett, uh, I quite like Greg Jennett, and I yeah. worked with him a little bit when I was at ABC. He was put in charge of editing some of my stories for some reason. Anyway, um, I did find it funny when when Jennett said, and I, we had it on ABC then when he said, um, "Oh, you know, we're all just waiting for Michael Gunner. We're all in. We're all in Michael Gunner's hands right now." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, well, now you know how we feel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Every exactly. day up here, it's like, what is he gonna do? Yeah. And then we're back in his hands. So yeah, yeah. Well, it was um, look. The coverage overall was interesting. Um, I said to Leon that uh, I'm not sure if it's because the the way that the NT system works is you know particularly dicey, but he, he, I would have to say that he didn't seem particularly on top of his game last night. Yeah, um, he seemed to be fumbling around a lot with the numbers, and I think he did from from what I counted, he did at least three complete reboots of his computer because it wasn't giving him the numbers he wanted. <laughs> Was he smacking the top of it? Because <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I thought it was interesting, but I also, I also noted, yeah, they, they mentioned throughout the coverage that they were doing it from Sydney. So that was obviously uh, due to COVID. So let, wow. let's just uh, let's get back to uh, 
to Territory Alliance. I think we need, we need to spend a bit of time talking about this one. Um, I, I, was, I was surprised at that result, but I wasn't particularly surprised about Terry Mills losing his seat, I don't think. Um, I, I didn't see Terry. I mean, he's in my electorate. You know, we, we had him on the podcast three times. We grilled him extensively about the anti-fracking stance. And, you know, for me, he just lost credibility. You know, the, the more the election went along, he just lost credibility. He, you know, the anti-fracking was just one aspect of it. It was coming out with that stamp duty and payroll tax holiday, uncosted, not providing costings. I mean, it was just a disaster, I thought. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't, I wasn't too surprised by that. Um, but, uh, but uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it is, you know, it's, it's a, obviously a very big deal for Terry Mills to have lost that seat. I hear that um, people are saying that they didn't see him campaigning at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, um, no, that's, that's, that's right. And I know, and I know from internal party sources there that Terry, um, I wouldn't, well, you know, uh, wouldn't use the word maybe obsessed, but certainly got into that kind of control freak stage with the party where yes. other people should have been making decisions instead of him on little things on trivial matters. And from what right. I understand, he spent a lot of time on stuff that he shouldn't have. But yeah, uh, Leon, to your point, uh, I don't think that they, they never really focused in on one single message. Hmm. I think the COP kind of ended up doing that, focusing more on the economy and job side of things. Whereas Terry was kind of seen to be all over the place. There, there wasn't that focus. Uh, the, the, the anti-fracking thing was something that, they they brought out and then they didn't have anything else behind it, right? And so that's why the, the electorate took it as looking like political opportunism, uh, opportunism or populism, um, just saying something. And then remember there was a story that came out where and then he was quoted as saying that, oh, you know, it is safe, it could happen. So clearly people didn't believe his stance on that and thinking that he was going to he was gonna backflip on that. And then you go to those attack ads that both uh, CLP and Labour did. Uh, on Terry and his track record uh, previously and also as the backflipper and that, that kind of stuck I think that was the thing mm -hmm. and, and TA didn't have anything to counter that with mm -hmm. they didn't when you look at it they didn't even do any, any real negative advertising or attack ads on anybody and they really couldn't get that footing in of what exactly they were attacking with, with the CLP more and more probably crucially than, than with labor um, there was nothing to differentiate there so yeah, I can see, you know, and he did have some good operators behind the scenes there, like really Delia Laurie, James Lantry, they're politically seasoned people. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. James Lantry, is he, was he the numbers, was he the uh, the um, polls guy, the poll guy? He did polls. He was also, right. I think, the uh, the campaign director, right. campaign manager, acting so, campaign director, something like that. So, 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 so my sources uh, tell me yeah. that they are completely and utterly um, you know, flabbergasted that uh, that uh, these polls that were apparently conducted about fracking came up with eighty percent of the people in the territory against <laughs> fracking. You know? And that was for um, wasn't that for lock the gate? That was for one of those those groups, Protect Country Alliance. Well, I thought well, I thought but James Landry conducted those polls. He did. Yeah, he did. But You're right. they paid him to do it. So right. he he is an independent pollster, and he polls for. Um, Look, we used him before. I used him at the NT News when I was at the NT News, and he's right. done it for Galaxy and a lot of other ones. 
Right. Um, he actually did a poll up here last year for the federal election, and I think he was one of the only pollsters that got it right, what was going to happen in the Northern Territory, right. or at least in the Seat of Solomon. But, um, yeah, so, look, there, there, there are some issues there, man. Surely, uh, if, he, if he's doing the polling for another body and they're paying him and that's all individual and have to use that information to inform policy direction. Uh, yeah. And then there might be, there might be some issues there, there might, but you know, and, and clearly, you know, for a guy in the last election, he got a, he got a spot on uh, in the NT um, this time. Uh, it would seem not, I don't know where those 80 or 88%, 80% of people was mm-hmm. who were against mm-hmm. fracking. I mean, if this was a referendum on that, then that, yeah. that failed and clearly Territorians want fracking. To yeah. The other thing that I heard too, Chris, and I don't know whether you heard, you heard this, is that, um, is that the party sort of uh, coalesced around Terry, Delia, Robin, and um, uh, what's his name from? Uh, Jeff. Jeff. Jeff, right? Yeah. And so those four were apparently calling the shots. Uh, and the rest of them felt fairly disenfranchised by all these policy movements. And uh, there's a bit of, um, well, let's just say shit on the liver, you know, about all of this <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have to drop the alliance, I think, boys. It's just, <laughs> yeah. just called territory now. <laughs> Terry, Terry. Um, yeah, because, look, for, for a party that kind of... Um, you know, uh, promoted itself as being a grassroots thing that was set up by people who were just unhappy with the way uh, the place was being run um, to yet yeah, and then do that. And, and I've heard that too from people in the party too, that uh, it became very top heavy, that, that they were the ones making the decision that they started it out with, you know, this kind of collective idea where everybody had a say in the policy and where it goes. And, and from what I understand that, that did happen. I mean, a lot of their policies weren't formed by that. But yeah, when you got closer to the election and they knew that they needed to bring some people on, um, that, yeah, that, that most of those decisions were then taken out of the hands of, of the party members who had believed that that was going to happen. And then, of course, politics comes in. You know, though, I mean, I said this before when Terry started. I, I think I was on ABC Radio and they asked me about it. And I said, well, we've all read Animal Farm, right? We know how this ends. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, there's, there's the warning. Um, it never ends with a, a utopia and everybody's happy and stuff. That's like true. somewhere along the line, the thing's going to get corrupted. And, um, you know, some people are going to be acting on their own and for their own interests and stuff. I think in this case, it was probably a, a sense of what do we do to get elected and get elected at all costs. So. Um, but mm-hmm. if they took that that power or seeming to take that power out of the hands of of the members, then I can see why that would backfire on them. Um, mm. yeah. So going to the uh, CLP then, do you think they did as well as you'd expected them to, Chris? Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah. And it makes me wonder too, like about the whole COVID thing, and we'll get into that, I guess, with Labour, right? Mm-hmm. But it makes me wonder if the CLP wouldn't have just naturally got that back anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So 2016, you're looking at that massive swing against the CLP, and that needed to happen. I mean, that government was it was just so bad, mm-hmm. uh, and, and Territorians were sick of that. So they sent a very strong message. And you're looking down in like places like Alice Springs, the CLP, Heartland, mm-hmm. um, going labor. 
2016. Yes. So yes. There, there was going to be, and we talked about this before, a natural correction that needs to happen by the time the next election comes around. Hmm. Uh, in this case, it looks like that's what that was. I think that, that maybe they may have gotten, and, and look, we're still not exactly sure how many seats, but it's somewhere around three to three to seven. Ultimately, they could probably get up to seven. Uh, I imagine it'd be around six, five, six. Um, and they're happy with that, right? They're happy with that. But I think that that's just the natural, the natural order of mm. things, the natural way of it balancing out. So, <laughs> as I said, I do think that, that Leah Finocchiaro ran a very good campaign, and that we do have to give her credit for that. She was clear, she was concise in those debates. I think she won. Uh, it wasn't just me either. I mean, other people had said um, she won, at least in the radio debates. I didn't see all of the Sky News one, but... Uh, uh, as long as she stayed on message, which she was really good at doing in the other debates, I'm sure that she, she did well. And there was this sense that, that, that things were moving towards the CLP. Uh, but of course, with the CLP here, the country liberal party, you got to remember why so many people left it last time. And it wasn't just because of, you know, Adam Giles, Dave Tolner, John Elfrink, uh, Willem Wester, Van Holt, and some of the other jokers there it was, you know, there were, there were very serious systemic issues in, at the executive level of the party itself. Mm. And the biggest, the biggest mistake that the country Liberal Party will make from these results uh, this weekend is that they're home free, is that things are working well, that, look, they've come back now. Let's say they've got the six seats. Well, that puts them in good stead for 2024 there's always been a, a certain level of dysfunction there in the party um, from, from that executive level. I'm not naming anyone specific, but there was, there's a sense that, that um, a lot of good people left the party too, potential candidates and other people who wanted to be involved as presidents and stuff, uh, or, you know, in the executive um, who've left because of what they would see as dysfunction there. And, and you know, if you look no further than uh, the leak the leak that the party made against their own candidate in Port Darwin, Toby mm. George, right? Mm. I mean, that's classic CLP stuff, internal, you know, they don't like them, so they're going to leak something negative. Uh, so the question has to be whether or not that dysfunction and the executives cleaned up and until they start doing that. But, you know, even again, they did the postmortem on the last election and they didn't take any of those recommendations to heart. The party still operated the same way. Uh, if they if they continue to do that, I don't think they're going to be in a, any better place uh, four years from now. Um, Leah was good. We have to give her credit for that. They ran a pretty good campaign. Sally Ann Innes out of Queensland, who was up here and, and ran the CLP campaign for the most who part. She? Was a good campaign. Who, who shot? Who she? So apparently, look, she likes to be a mystery. She likes to be a, <laughs> a woman of mystery. So right. uh, from what I understand, she's uh, with the Liberals, Nationals. I think it would be the Nationals out of Queensland. Um, uh, so she actually ran the campaign in 2016, too, which was uh, you know, a disaster, and there was no way for her to, to do anything <laughs> yeah. on that one. This one, I think that they're giving her some credit for uh, clawing back a, a few seats anyway. Um, but yeah, she definitely likes to hide in the shadows. Uh, unless oh, she yes. was at the, the Cav last week, and then uh, unless you were at the Cav last week, then you might have seen her. In a, <laughs> no, in just, a different just, light, I've heard. Just looking up her LinkedIn profile, there's no uh, picture there. There's nothing. There's no, yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah. Yes, she's definitely in Stelzburg, that's for sure. <laughs> but if anyone was lucky enough to be at the Cav last Wednesday night, I think they would have seen her in her in all her glory, from what I've been told. Right. Anyway. Um, Look, she, she, uh, this campaign, yeah, they'll, they'll all, uh, take some credit for that. Um, 
and they did they did they didn't run a bad campaign and you know and it's going to be interesting too in terms of how much money and i know they got some uh donations near the end but they were running a lot of front page ads on the nt news and the nt news hasn't dropped their prices despite the fact that newspapers aren't read anymore so yeah. hey are the uh, nt news going to be are the nt news going to be in the doghouse like you after the uh, the editorial on friday <laughs> You know, the, I was thinking about that, Leon. Like that—that's funny because here's here's what I think it is. Here's what I think it is. I think that the money that they pay them, that the government pays the NT News, is just for positive stories. It's not for an endorsement. You want an endorsement? Well, that's a whole other couple million bucks. You know, it's something like that. I'm sure there's some. I'm sure they have a chart that they figured out. All right, you want endorsement? Well, that's going to cost this much, and they wouldn't meet that. Um, it's fun. It's really funny. I think there was a lot of pressure put on um, the newspaper and the editor there uh, not to do that because how could they ever justify? Look, labor couldn't even justify their last four years in office. There's no way <laughs> in hell a newspaper or anybody else can justify their four years in office. So, but what they said, you know, was oh, I don't deserve your vote, but blah blah blah, you know, and some yeah. other stuff kind of hedging their bets. But yeah, that's what it all comes down to is that they still look. It comes down to the two party system here anyway that we spoke about last week mm. where you've got the CLP and ALP and really do, does the NT news even care anymore which one gets in as long as they're in there and they're <laughs> greasing the wheels. Yeah, with the NT government's money, with taxpayers' mm. money, right? It's not party money, but really it doesn't matter. They have a public service. They have to take ads out. It's the only paper in town. Mm. Um, Chris, I, so, yeah. I, um, I, I don't sort of share your, your sanguine uh, view of the CLP's performance. I, look, I mean, obviously they didn't, um, they didn't do badly, but I honestly expected them to do better. I mean, I'm looking at the primary vote here. It hasn't really moved. And, you know, that the, post or pre-COVID-19, <coughs> all we heard about constantly was crime and the economy. And crime is still a big deal in the Territory. You know, we had a little bit of a break during the lockdown, but it's still a massive issue here. And I'm just stunned looking at the primary vote in a number of these seats, particularly, I was really surprised at Palmerston because, uh, you know, I can't speak to the northern ter- to the, the northern suburbs, but in Palmerston, it's a big problem. And I'm surprised that the CLP ha- haven't rocked it in. I mean, they've picked up, um, I mean, I'm looking at Drysdale, Eva Law yeah. smashed it in Drysdale. How? <laughs> yeah, that, that's surprising. That's really surprising. Yeah. Yeah. So something's not connecting. And that's where I think the CLP haven't really done a good job, in my view, because I thought, you know, if there's one thing you can bet the CLP to do is to be tough on crime, right? Mm-hmm. And, and everyone accepts that crime is out of control, out of control. And so for the CLP not to have done better in, in particularly Palmerston, but possibly some of the northern suburbs uh, and Alice Springs as well. I haven't really looked at Alice Springs closely. Um, I, I just, yeah, there's something that's not, not resonating there, Chris. Yeah, well, yeah, one with the, with the northern suburbs here in Darwin, that, that, that's now firmed up to be, that is labour territory. They're, they're, I don't see them ever get, public service, right, like Rolf Garretson said, Mm. Uh, to me last night that was in my story um, they are now the party of the public service well and truly and the public service live in the northern suburbs around Darwin uh, as far as Palmerston goes yeah that that is really surprising and, and you gotta wonder if 
what what happens on the level there in Palmerston? You know, we talked about Terry Mills losing his seat there because he wasn't campaigning enough. He wasn't door knocking and stuff. Are there are there issues in those individual electorates where they're not on the ground or they don't have a good candidate? You know, that that that's a good thing. So that's an issue that could be an issue that um, has come up that they're not effectively communicating what what the party's doing there. Drysdale's very interesting. I, I, I wouldn't have thought that, uh, I thought that would be a lot closer. Um, so yeah, so yeah, so the party definitely will have to look at that kind of thing. They, I don't know if they will. No, I think they are all pretty happy, um, you know, that, that they have more seats than they did. But again, all of that comes back to that whole preferential voting thing too. Mm. Right? Like that's just, I just find that very strange. We don't have that in Canada. And you just see that the person that everybody clearly wants doesn't get in. And yeah, the other yeah. guy gets in on the preferences. But yeah, yeah, there's definitely some stuff CLP can do differently. Yeah, but the way it works, as I understand it, is if you get over 50% of the vote, it doesn't go to yeah, preferences. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't go to preferences. No, mm. but that's clearly what... It's, 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 it's only if it's under 50% that it goes to preferences and that's where you have issues. Yeah. Exactly. It just seems that, you know, when you've got two parties that are running the same policies or <laughs> the ALP yeah, and the yeah. CLP, I mean, that's why we've seen these things so close. And we talked about that last time and there's not much difference between them. Um, what did yeah, you think you know, about uh, Tracy Hayes' performance? Um, it was interesting. Uh, what was the final number? You have to pull that up. But She's at, uh, she, he won quite easily. I, I, I don't know. I think that they, I think her, her, her camp, Mm-hmm. There, I thought she was going to do better. And what she told me when we spoke last night uh, as the numbers were coming in, and she said, oh, look, if there's any question whether or not Fannie Bay is a left seat, they've been answered tonight. Yeah. And she said, you know, I've done everything I could. She said, I couldn't do anymore. Yeah. I was out there talking to people. And she really did. She really worked hard. I, I, I saw that firsthand. Um, yeah, so there was nothing else she could do that I was just going to go. And that's going to stay labor, clearly, for a long time. Same as Nightcliffe. Same as Nightcliffe. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that uh, that the ABC suggested, which I thought was interesting, um, suggesting uh, Liberal Party um, candidate placements, but they they felt that Tracy Hayes should have ran for the seat of Port Darwin. Yeah, well, that was something that was thrown out very early, and something that I actually threw out to her. I met with her early on, and I said we we did an interview for something, and. I said, why, you know, and you live pretty close. I think she lives pretty close to the, yes. uh, to the electorate border. Why didn't you run there? And she said this, she said, um, I live in, I live in Fannie Bay and I've lived yeah. in Fannie Bay for a while. And so I don't want to be one of those people who doesn't live in the electorate. This is my home. I'm going to run there. Now, whether or not that, that is, you know, she is living up to her own values and morals there. And, and mm-hmm. But is that politically naive? I mean, she could have walked in in Port Darwin because you look at Port Darwin, that, that's mass. Yeah. What happened there is, is just complete craziness and that is a big failure of the preference system, what happened there. <laughs> and we'll get into that for a sec, but just on Tracy Hayes again. Somebody was saying today, um, you know, maybe maybe her true calling isn't even in politics. So, like, uh, maybe if the CLP gets, even if labor, I mean, somebody should start looking at her uh, for the job of, uh, you know, chief executive of department of chief minister. Mm. Mm. I mean, we, we, we could use somebody like her in the public service as an executive, you know, the, the executive level is where there's a lot of issues and where those budgets go to die and get blown out. And, uh, <laughs> well, and maybe, you know, and Tracy has, 
I'm just saying, you know, 650 to 651, it's not going to make too much of a difference, is it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One extra. One in, all in. <laughs> Chris, Chris, Chris didn't get that, Pete. You have to explain no, it to wait, him. What is it? <laughs> We're talking about 650 high-level public servants, you know, the yeah. oh, executive right. contracts. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's one more going to do? <laughs> no, no, I'm saying that they, that they sack a whole bunch of them and bring her in, but, yeah, not, well, not for Well, that's not going to happen now, Chris, my friend. Let me Chris, tell you. Let, 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 I don't know if you, if you caught the uh, Chief Minister's uh, victory speech yesterday. Or, or No, no, it wasn't a victory speech. Okay. Whatever it was, was. A, a victory speech you don't have when you're having a victory speech. The, the part that resonated with me the most, mm. and I was so pleased to see the ABC pick this up in their article today, and I quote, <laughs> I reckon uh, bagging yes. public servants is the cheapest shot you can take in politics and you shouldn't do it. Yeah. Well, I think it's a very expensive shot, quite frankly, based on where the budget is right now. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and what he misunderstands is, and, and you know, you, you said it quite rightly the other night. We all did. We're not bagging the public servants. We know there's many and plenty wonderful, well-credentialed, intelligent, great operators, but they are that overweight in comparison with other jurisdictions that that's a major part of the reason why the debt is what it is. Yeah. So it's not about taking a cheap shot at them. It's the management of them, which comes from the bloke making the speech. Yeah. And, and I've got to say this, Chris, I've got to say this. Like one of the things that I thought about after this uh, result was, you know, if Leah had somehow managed to win government, I, I would have been, I would have felt it would have, was a little unfair for her to inherit this mess. And I really want to see how Michael Gunner is going to steer himself out of this huge pile of crap that we're in right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they didn't consider that at all. Mm -hmm. Now, like this whole campaign <laughs> was the COVID thing. But yeah. just getting back personally on that, on, her, on his comments, and I did hear those comments, but it, it was what he said after that too. Uh, and that's, I had written down because I was going to go in another store and it still might. Um, he said, uh, and I don't have it here now, and no, I think what it's on my other computer, but he said um, thank you to the public servants. Mm. He thanked them mm. <laughs> for, mm. for voting for him. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he knew what he knew what the block was there, and he knew that, that that was what he needed, and that's clearly what happened. So, but and the CLP knew that too, and that's why Leah said early on, "I'm not going to cut any public servants either." Mm -hmm. um, you know, all the public servants' jobs are safe if they vote for me, and then that's, that could explain why they maybe got a few more votes, a few more seats, but. Um, your other question was, how are they going to deal with this now? Well, that's it. That, that, that's what we'll all be watching for. But yeah, they haven't, they haven't shown any willingness to do that. And, you know, John O'Gibson's story uh, today, I thought was really spot on. He and I talked late this afternoon or early this afternoon about a few things. And, and I said, no, I liked your story there about the, uh, the whole campaign. So they ran on nothing. Right. I mean, they, they didn't really promise anything. They didn't <laughs> address, they yeah, didn't yeah. address the problems at hand. They didn't address one, the economy. I mean, they've got their little task force set up. That's their job. They should be doing it. And two, they didn't address the financial crisis and how they were going to mm. make any savings at all. Mm. And so, um, we've really got nothing as John o points out in his story. We've really got nothing to hold them to next time. So, 
to say like, well, you know, you promised this like last time they promised, you know, uh, what was it, $10 billion in, in remote housing. Well, there's a figure, there's a number, there's a hard pledge. We know they didn't yeah. even come Correct. close Correct. to that. Not yeah. even close. And we can go back to that. But now this campaign, they made no promises whatsoever because you know what? Nothing really mean, matters anymore. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's just, it's just whatever. They can just keep writing the, the blank checks and signing them and um, not worrying about anything. And, and that's the, that's the most frustrating thing about this election. If you think about that long and hard, that there were so many things that this labor government did so poorly that, that, that they didn't even have to address in the campaign and that they've got now voted back in because nothing really matters anymore. I guess that's the real mm. sentiment or takeaway from that is that how do you hold the government accountable when they're not, when they're not living up to their obligations to, to inform an, an electorate of what they plan to do while in government? Yeah, like, yeah. It's just so great. Yeah, yeah. It's just, we're running on a campaign on nothing, you know? Um, we're running on the COVID thing. And oh, anyway, I just, uh, if one person dies, one person gets sick with COVID here and we get community transmission, then I guess we're going to go and hold him personally accountable for that. They should resign. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the whole government, they're gone. It was, one person gets in with it. It was probably my, I suppose, aha moment of last night. The, uh, the young lass in the ABC studio in Darwin who, I think her name's Jackie Breen. Yeah, Jacqueline Breen, yep. And she was talking to the Minister for PE, uh, a.k.a. the Attorney General, <laughs> and um, <laughs> she said, uh, "She said, well, Minister, um, given that uh, you ran on absolutely nothing uh, during this campaign, what exactly can the uh, voting public of the NT hold you accountable for? And she rattled on about... Oh, we're the party for jobs and we're the party for education and we're the party for... I mean, we've built hospitals. We've done this. We've done that. And I thought, I know that obviously in the party room you all sit around and tell each other this, but <laughs> jobs are at record unemployment levels. Let's get that right. We know about the housing because we've discussed that, you know, over and over again. Yes, they've got these wonderful farcical budgets and amounts of things they're going to do, but they're always going to do something, but they never end up doing anything or, or, or a tiny, you know, percentage of it. Yeah. And, um, and, and even she didn't believe her answer. You could see that. And they went, okay, Minister, we'll have to leave it there because you <laughs> <laughs> ran on nothing. We've asked you yeah. about it and you told us nothing now. <laughs> well, that's what she's an expert on, doing files. It's nothing. Just sticking to yeah. the line. So they're giving her saving lives, saving jobs, saving lives, saving jobs. Yeah. Well, sooner or later, you're going to have to create jobs. And Gunnar uh, did reference that in his speech as well. It was quoted in my story. But he's never told us how he's going to do it. I guess, you know, yeah. he's waiting for the commission to come back and tell him that it's all, uh, you know, natural gas-based recovery and that, that that's what we have to do. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I did just that, I find that really frustrating. And that that's the whole thing from this campaign. And uh, is that... The, the, that it was about nothing, that there's not, there's no substance, but nobody was held accountable for past, you know, wrongdoings and, um, mm -hmm. or held accountable for their actions over the last four years. And that to me is, um, is upsetting that look, they've lost some seats and they will. Um, but like I said, that could just be a natural correction on things. Yeah, exactly. Nobody, no minister, nobody took anything out on any ministers. Nobody took anything out on government. There wasn't a big swing against them.
um, anywhere. And that, so then you just got to come back and you think, well, what matters anymore? I mean, what, what are they going to do in their next four years now? I mean, they've, they've run a campaign telling the public that they shouldn't be held accountable for their last four years. Yeah, so what yeah. the hell are they going to do for the next four where they know that that's the precedent that's been set and that the electorate gave it to them. And, you know, you get back into, I guess it's like what, it's what Rolf Garrison said is that this is a party now that cemented itself as the party of the public service. Public service know that the, the gravy train will keep running so long as labor's in charge. And really, what does it matter if, um, if some corruption happens here or there, some indiscretions, if taxpayer money, if, you know, the second in charge head public servant is getting his trips, uh, holidays paid for by private companies who want taxpayer money and will get taxpayer money. What does, what does any of that matter? You know, as long as labor's running the train here, then we're all going to be fine. And sooner or later, I don't know. Like that's just that is the biggest frustration for me after looking at the results here. Well, perhaps I'd like perhaps uh, you should uh, do some digging, uh, Chris, into how Labor is raising the money to to do what they're doing. And I'm talking about in government. Like, how did we? You know, we went from 1.8 billion to now 8.2 billion. We're borrowing the money from somewhere. Mm. Perhaps some, some further work needs to be done on that and just to find oh, out oh, yeah, when, no. when that tap gets turned off. Yeah, and we will. Mm. And and Michael Gunner said that during one of the debates, which I heard later that night after it was on radio debate, and he's where you where they swear you borrowing the money from. And he said, Oh, all around the country. That's not true. That's not true. He's getting it from Asia, he's getting it from um Middle East, he's getting it from all kinds of different places or the NT is. Mm. So that that much we know. I've got to talk to some people about that because there, there was some stuff. But that, that what I told you there is absolutely true. Um, yeah, look, the other thing that I think, and, and some people had said to us about this with, with Gunner um, being reelected for four years, is this going to be another uh, four years of the anti-independent being banned? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I guess possibly. I mean, look, we're going we're gonna to try and negotiate something with them again and the journalist union uh, you know, as earlier was on our side. So we'll go back to the, uh, <laughs> the table, I guess, with them and hopefully work out something, uh, in the you meantime, maybe a, you could f- maybe fund a grandstand somewhere, Chris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll get them to build us. Or, an or at least get a permit. Like <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. But hey, I, I just want, I just want to pull you up on that, Chris. Yeah. You said four yeah. years of gunner, right? Uh, yeah, I've got exactly. a, Pete and I have got a bone to pick with you on that one. <laughs> Pete, you want to go on that? Well, I mean, I, I, I think I can hear the sounds of the train already leaving the station, can't you? <laughs> we, we, we said this the other day, mate, but, uh, yeah, look, I said to Leon earlier today, I said, I watched that speech and there's a few things that I'll tell you. And, you know, I, you don't just go by someone's looks and judge them, but, that's a 44-year-old man who's looking a hell of a lot older than his years and uh, there's, a, there's a very capable, smart operator just waiting in the wings. And I mean, we, said it, <laughs> we said at the time, yeah, exactly. We, we said at the time um, well, when we actually spoke to him. but Perhaps on um, the wings, perhaps in the forward pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he was a backman, but yeah, yeah. He, he could play anywhere. Now. That night he was in the wings, so that night he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Um, I I thought that was interesting because um, there was some very obvious people 
front and centre, but yeah. there was also some very obvious people who weren't front and centre who maybe should have been if mm. if they weren't uh, already sitting down, putting the numbers together. Mm. Yeah. 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 yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that didn't go unnoticed by a lot of people. Um, yeah, yeah, and 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 uh, first, I think him and uh, Gunnar and Files at first didn't really touch. Same, while he was hugging and kissing everybody, and then yeah, yeah. he comes down, and they may have, but it was interesting to watch that Joel Bowden was off to the side mm-hmm. in the wings yes. when he came down yes. after the speech. There was no extending of the hand to say good work or anything. Yeah, he just yeah. kind of stood there and let him walk by. So, yeah. so what? Uh, any truth to the rumors that the uh, some the Queensland unions are uh, backing Bowden to uh, take yeah. over? Well, I'm the one who told you about that. Oh. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. Yeah, look, yeah, we're looking into that more. But and, and the fact that he has been diminished gunner in terms of the seats and stuff makes him uh, probably an easy target for them at this point. But that being said, you know, the way that they that Labour has restructured their constitution in the Northern Territory, and this was after they rolled uh, Deoya Laurie, mm-hmm. is um, it's pretty difficult to roll anybody unless uh-huh. they're going to actually resign. Um, and like I said last week, Gunner's already given his reasons for resigning, and he gave them again that <laughs> night when he said, you he know, did. I've had a heart yeah, attack, yeah. my health, uh, we have a baby and a baby, and, you know, it's been very stressful doing this job. So That's right. You, yeah, missed, uh, you missed the fact that he said, uh, bloody hell. Sweary meek. Being a real cobber. <laughs> but that'll be the best is if he continues it now, right? As chief minister in the next press conference, is he going to say CLP's full of shit or something again? <laughs> like, I doubt it. Um, yeah, yeah. But that was the whole thing. And uh, yeah, look, yeah, I honestly don't think he's going to he's going to make it through the four years. That just politically, that doesn't make any sense. He was kind of a, a lame dive sitting duck there early on, and now the fact that he's um, he has lost some some momentum and some seats. They know that he's not good, but they just had nobody to challenge him. So yeah. if uh, if Joel steps up, uh, it would be very interesting to see. Mm. So they moved to a system more like the federal Labor have done, right? Yeah, it was yeah. just near impossible. Like you've got to get everybody in the like members. I think it comes down to members have to vote yeah, on right. whether or not to get rid of like the rank and file members of the Labor yeah, Party. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just not going to happen. Now, the only way that happens is if it's for the good of the party. And you, you know, but, you know, Michael Gunner has shown himself to be quite arrogant to the point that that's, that, you know, anyway, I think that a lot of them probably uh, should have stepped back from some of their positions and realized, look, maybe we're not doing the best job here at this. Yeah. And, uh, let's let somebody in who can do it. But that doesn't cross their mind. It's self interest and, yeah, yeah. and it's always been here. Um, and to that end, though, and to just tie back to the um, to the previous thing that I was saying about us being banned and stuff, I'm I'm happy that he's been reelected right now um, because we got a lot more stories to come yeah, out, that's it. and a lot and a lot of really <laughs> big stories about yeah. things that that have gone on in the last four years here that he he needs to be held accountable for. Yeah. And yeah, well, he's wedged himself. He, he's absolutely wedged yeah. himself. And that's not to say that Leah wouldn't have as well, because she certainly was pretty soft on the public service. But Michael has been very, very uh, strong in his support of the public service and his yeah, support yeah. of the fact that there's going to be no cuts. He's wedged himself between the public service and the $8.2 billion, and yeah. something's mm. got to give. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely, absolutely. And um, it was, I think, Woody pointed it out that um, 
he started sounding very Trump-esque. Like he said, uh, I love the public service. Nobody loves the public service more than me. I'm the biggest <laughs> public service lover there is. I made love to the public service. He had no public service until I showed up and I created the public service. And, and also stack pirate. shelves too. Don't forget the stacking shelves. <laughs> I love yeah. that. I love that. All the big W workers would have been high-fiving each other over that. He's <laughs> <laughs> oh, a hero. He's a hero. Well, I'll tell you the thing too that um, I, I couldn't stop thinking about, to be honest, because, look, you know, every week we talk and we talk about the debt and we talk about the incompetency and I thought, well, if, if it was a close result, you know, a lot closer than it sits right now. And as you say, Chris, it, it could end up being a lot closer than it currently is. But the reality is it, it, it would seem impossible mm. now uh, for the CLP to form a government. And, it, it, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a um, foregone conclusion that, that Labor will, will form this government. Mm-hmm. Maybe the electorate's not that interested in the debt level. Maybe it's not a concern to them. I'm telling you, um, with with the poll polling stuff that I saw, yeah, yeah, that people aren't that interested in it. Maybe that's COVID, right? Maybe mm-hmm. it is this idea that look, we got to keep the economy moving. If money has to go out now, now's the time to spend. Um, but at what time? At what, and you know, look, we're, we're quickly heading towards what a trillion dollars eventually national in the, mm-hmm. in the national debt and stuff. So what's eight point two billion? I don't know if people see it like that, but um, yeah. But it just, but you know, instead of it being understood that, that there are parameters, there are rules and guidelines that, that a government has to operate within, and one would be a budget. And this <laughs> government just does not continue to do it. Yeah, which, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And my God, I mean, they, they have, I'm sure, I don't know, October, I guess now that'll come out. Yeah. That's just going to be a shocker. That's just that going to be, be <laughs> oh, yeah, that's going to be a long day too, going over yeah. that because. They're going to hide so much garbage in there. I can't, I can't <laughs> imagine. Like we've, we yeah. have problems before with these guys with labor and their budgets, but this one is going to be particularly brutal and particularly bad. But, it, and I think that, yeah, like I said, I mean, there needs to be accountability measures for government. People need to find out what, or figure out what those are going to be. But one would be living within its means, uh, surely. Mm. And the government <laughs> that continually shows it can't do that is not a responsible government. Yeah. And one that disrespects again. I mean, this guy, you know, this happened in Canada, right? So I I fully expect the the Mick Gun, swearing Mick Gundy there, whatever he calls himself (laughs) now, is going to grow a goatee (laughs) to look tough, right? So I think there was uh, uh, our intern at the office was telling me that there was bets last night, sports bets. Somebody had it on whether or not he'd wear a tie. Yeah, really. Yeah, to the, to the speech. Yeah. yeah, he did. And what color the tie would be, and you could bet on all of this stuff. And I love <laughs> you, Aussies, for betting on these random crazy things. But I'm throwing it out there. I think he's going to grow a goatee. Why I think that is? Yeah. Um, in Canada, our prime minister over there, who I haven't been, in, I haven't lived in Canada for over six years. I've been here. <laughs> um, Justin Trudeau. So here's a guy who got reelected to a minority government. Um, during a, t- a time where there was major scandal going on there, right? Like his attorney general resigned mm. because he tried to get her 
uh, to drop charges against this company that was guilty of corruption because that company was, you know, provided jobs in his electorate. <laughs> and like, that was so yeah. bad. That was just such a huge scandal and just showed that the man had no, you know, moral responsibility, ethics for anything there. Um, and he wins. And yet he wins again. People vote for him to get back in and he gets a minority. And then I think then and then he grows a goatee. And I don't know why he grew a goatee. But I, I just when I noticed like Gunner's speech was much more subdued than it was uh in twenty sixteen and he knows that he's on that knife's edge of the, the minority majority. Um so is it, I don't know. Anyway, I think he's gonna grow a goatee just to remind us of the fact that uh yeah, he's he's the tough guy. But <laughs> you know, just it's the lack of accountability. It's just and and to vote to vote a guy back in. I don't know. Like in Canada, that 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 was a big concern. And now that he's in another scandal, Trudeau yeah. in Canada with, yeah, with right. his family getting paid by this company that was getting millions of dollars of taxpayer money. So, oh, wow. yeah. So um, yeah, I, I see some similarities there. It'll keep going. The news cycle <laughs> continues. <laughs> so there will be a new grandstand at Fanny Bay then. <laughs> well, look, I'm just I'm looking forward to. A whole bunch of stories that we have that are coming out. Mm. And can I give a quick update on the China thing? The China yeah. files. Yeah, as we're please. calling it. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I hope they explain. So they came back to me last week, week before last, and they said, okay, you can, we've, we've determined you, have, you can get access to the information, to the documents, and pay us some money. So I paid half the money. I think I was telling you guys that. Yeah. So on yeah. Friday, they come back to me. And they say, oh, we need more time. We need to the end of September to make a decision. So they seem to have taken this information that I've in good faith have made a payment to them for. Uh, they've now taken this back to a decision-making process and mm. phase and, says, and say now that they'll make a decision on whether or not I can get it a month from now. Which is just completely outrageous, which is just completely yeah. not in keeping with the... So I've told them to... I said, explain to me what, what, what subject in the act here you're relying on to do this. Like, I've paid you money in good faith to get this information, yeah. but they seem to have gone back and are going to block it now or attempt to block it. So we still got that. And that stuff... Look, look we ran a story on Friday. It was written by um, uh, John Garrick. Uh, who's at CDU? Um, yeah, we're going to get him on. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, John's a good guy. So, uh, and he and he was raising some issues there. But what's what's going on here? What is the connection? This is something that you know I tried as much as we all tried here, all of us guys here, to um to get people to talk about during the election. Like I wanted to know where all the parties stand on. So you reckon it might be a bit BRI? You reckon he he might have signed the BRI thing over there? Well, you know, when they talk about those friendship agreements and stuff, mm. right? Like this Johnny Feng that I talked to, another academic uh, expert down in Sydney, he, he's saying, look, it all starts with the friendship stuff, right? Mm. And then it builds out those relationships. Um, yeah, and who knows, really? But again, and, and then even, you know, they did a story about that, and, and people have asked him again. Um, General Gibson did another story about that, in the, and it was very close to the, the election. Um, what is the connection with, with China and, and, and the Northern Territory and what, what agreements? And I thought for a second, it was like, oh, this is like kind of what I've FOI'd. Are they giving it to him for free? Well, no. What they gave him was a whole bunch of, well, it was about four or five things, but it did not mention what was signed in October of last year in Shenzhen. The last one was the Gunner signed a quote-unquote friendship agreement in Rizal, 
uh, in 2016 on his first international trip over there. And that's a friendship agreement. So, you know, whatever that really means. Um, but they didn't mention the 2019. So they're still running and hiding from whatever happened there in October 2019. The more this drags on, the more suspicious everybody should be about yeah, what's correct. going on. Well, you know, I mean, could, I mean, a worst case scenario would be that uh, the debt continues to blow out. There are no options. Commonwealth government tells territory to get stuffed. <laughs> and uh, off we go, having a look to see whether we can get some money from China. I think yep. that's a very real possibility, if it hasn't already been happening. Mm. Directly from the CCCP. Mm. Who, yeah, who have people working in different areas and in different branches of government and stuff here in Australia. So, yeah. Yep. Yep. We're going to keep on it. Yeah. That's frightening. Anything else that we should touch base with, mate, uh, before we let you go? Well, look, I interesting election. We figured it would be. We figured it would be close and would come down there, and there was something about that. The, the difference, the very small difference in a lot of these seats still being on the knife's edge um, will determine the, 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 the extent of the majority and the extent of the opposition. And... Uh, yeah, the the Northern Territory uh, continues to exist. Isn't this now. interesting? Because think about this, Chris. You know, if it does transpire that uh, Ghana goes down the BRI path, right? Mm. The CLP have got no, uh, you know, nothing, no leg to stand on because they can't yeah. come out and say, "What are you doing?" You know, this is, you can't be doing this because <laughs> Labor just going to turn around and say, "Well, what the hell's the port there?" Yeah. <laughs> so, well, and you know, and yeah, you know, but I mean, yeah, well, Leah and Gunnar were both on the committee, the recommended selling port, not to the Chinese, to be fair, but the, but the, the port needed to be signed. They didn't stand up anywhere and object at the time. <laughs> so, yeah, it's an issue. Um, mm, well, I've got a yeah. question for both of you before we go. Leon, what's your key takeaway? Only one point from this, well, from the wash up. What's your key takeaway from the election? People don't care about crime. Okay. Chris? <laughs> People don't care about anything. <laughs> <laughs> and, and here, and let me just, let me leave you with the quote too that Woody put in his story. David Wood ran a good story where a little color from election day where he went out, um, he was out at Humpty Doo for a while and he's back in the city. And uh, uh, this is a random quote. The NT finds its voice. I am beyond logic and rationality. <laughs> if if yeah. if the territory can speak for itself, that might be one of the first things out of its mouth. David Wood said, and I got to say, he's, he's probably right about that. Yes, yes, absolutely is. Thank you, Chris. We'll catch you uh, next week. Thanks, guys. That was Chris Wiles from the NT Independent Online Newspaper, the Territory Story Podcast Election Wash Up Edition. We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to the Territory Story Podcast with Leon Logan Nathan and Peter Gowers. For more episodes, search Territory Story Podcast on all leading podcasting platforms, the Territory Story Podcast. Thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency.